sometimes you win, and sometimes you play Brentford. On the Always AmeriCast, Sheffield Wednesday Opinion, with an American accent. I'm your host, Jeffrey Paternostro, and as this is, as always, an American podcast about an English soccer team, I am having an American beer with an English name. It is called Lord Dobson. It's from Brewery Legitimus in New Hartford, Connecticut, about 15 minutes from me. I was out of beer today, so I made a run to pick up some Crowlers. So I now have 32 ounces of a 10.5% Imperial Stout. Uh, Not named after any particular lord of English note. It is, I believe, named after the tabby cat that lives in the brewery, who is called Lord Dobson. But it's, uh, I mean, it's a 10.5% Imperial Stout, and it tastes like one. (laughs) It's quite good, actually, but yeah. It's going to be a loose podcast and an intimate evening with one Patty Jones. Patty, you are also drinking something with a fairly high ABV. Yes, Jeff. I'm on the whiskey again. I've got um, a pretty standard bourbon and Coke. I was feeling a bit sleepy, so I thought I'd have a Coke um, and just whack some bullet in it as well. Um, but the bourbon, the bourbon variety rather than the rye variety. Episode 110 of the Owls AmeriCast. We will cover the transfer deadline day news and transfer window news in general and Wednesday news in general. We will bring back our long forgotten mothballed segment, How I Became a Wednesdayite. And we will, of course, review the Brum and Brentford games. But a little bit of a twist, Patty, which kind of annoys me since I actually bothered to write out the full uh, 90 and 90 for both games. We will instead start with the transfer deadline day and transfer window discussions. So after I maybe had a little fun at Justin's expense last week for making us come back with no actual news of note, Wednesday did add a couple players at the end of the window. Yeah, um, I feel like there was no news about when we recorded last week. There was nothing to talk about almost. Um, so we spoke about good old days for about twenty minutes instead. Um, but then Friday it kind of all kicked in, and uh, I think on Thursday was a few rumors started about Aidan Flint, um, and then uh, Jack Marriott was mooted, and obviously they just came in pretty quickly on the Friday morning, um, or Friday morning our time. Pretty much the whole business was done before I woke up, um, so it was a bit of an anticlimax for me. Um, but great signings. Um, Aiden Flint, someone I've admired for a very long time. Big tree of a guy, six foot six, built like Thor. Uh, definitely, I see as maybe improvement over Tom Lee's in that kind of back three, that kind of central uh, beast to hang the other two off. Um, is and, and the reason why I did this first is because he started pretty much straight away. I think he got, it, got it <laughs> well, at two in the morning. There, there was a need. <laughs> Yeah, they got, he got it at 2 in the morning on the Friday and he was playing Wednesday and Saturday at 3pm, so fair play to him. Uh, and then Jack Marriott too, so uh, a loan signing, both loan signings. Uh, this one's from uh, Derby uh, with a recall clause in January, which I think is a positive thing, right? So if you're loaning your players out, and he started a few games this season too, but um, put a clause into getting back in January, then it feels like they haven't given up on him and they've also mm. given him a new contract too, so... I think it's, it fits the mold, um, that kind of like... Uh, They've also been terrible, and they're letting him go out on loan. <laughs> yeah. Derby fans weren't happy about it, apparently. Hmm. But it's, it's, it's kind of similar to the rest of our signs, right? It's kind of people on the fringes of their... On the, on the other teams that we were working with. So Cardiff, uh, 
uh, letting people go or left, right, and center, which seems bizarre to me. They seem to have only a very uh, threadbare squad after they, as soon as they're not in the team, they're kind of sold out almost at Cardiff. Um, so we benefited from them again with the, obviously uh, Callum Patterson and Cads last year coming to us. And now we've got Aidan Flynn from them. So I think it's a great uh, bit of business and overall very happy with the window. Yeah, I mean, if you look at sort of look back to our conversations at the end of last season, which was like two months ago or whatever. Uh, but we did note that with all the players out of contract, they really were going to have to, what did we say, eight players they were going to need to sign? And I think they actually brought in eight players. So They did. If you don't include that Corey D. Adedoyin, he was the ninth. Uh, but yeah. He's kind of like in the 23s. But sure. uh, yeah, it's, it's about eight. But what do you think... See, we said eight, but I think we were a little bit more um, detailed in what we wanted to get. They've been a bit base, I would say, as far as like hiring strikers and midfielders rather than we wanted to think a winger in there, a wing back, didn't we, as well? That was the only disappointment, I think, from this window for me. Yeah, I mean, you could, you could argue that in the formation they're playing right now, were they really going to find a, a, a wing back or winger better than Reach and Kadeem Harris at a reasonable price? free <laughs> yeah <laughs> or I mean is there some like wing back hanging around uh you know the fringes of Premier League squad you could get on loan I mean yeah maybe I don't know um I don't know what those wage bills would look like there was talk of you know maybe earlier in the season that they were asking at least asking on Jacob Murphy but it sounded like the price there was a little too uh a little too rich for where the team is right now and if you look at where they added, you know, we, literally one striker under contract, it was Jordan Rhodes, and they brought in, you know, four strikers. It's a it's a full strike force again. We can argue how effective it's going to be long term, but they needed bodies. And I think all four of the strikers they brought in at least offer something a little bit different. They're not really yeah. cut in the same mold. You know, Rhodes is really... The, you could argue that Rhodes is the only one that's still more of a traditional number nine, although I think Patterson can play in that role, uh, given his size and sort of ability to, you know, win a flick on and win a header and stuff like that. Um, you know, Kachunga, maybe more of a number 10, another guy that can play out on the wing. You know, Marriott. It's like, I guess the question I would have is, you've made all these moves with bringing in his attacking talent the formation seems pretty set it's you know whether you want to call it three at the back or five at the back you know it's three center backs and two wing backs it's a midfield three and and two up front in some capacity like do we actually have a clear number one choice striker pairing right now uh no i don't think we do um i think on talent and goals scored i would say that it looks like maybe patterson and um marriott might work well together as a kind of big guy little guy and the uh, marriott scored some good goals uh, over the last few years uh a little bit off it last year but um again that's we wouldn't game on loan if that was the case so i think i think we've got to try and push those to gel obviously they've known each other for about four days so that's not gonna happen straight away uh, and that showed in today's game um, against Brentford. Uh, I don't think anyone's really caught our eye so far in, the, in pairing the two together. Patterson and Windass hasn't seemed to click yet. So we're a team gelling. So I think we can only expect so much, right? And we, I think we're doing well uh, with all, all considering the factors we have in place right now. 
the efforts there um but um maybe just going to take a little more time to get a bit more cohesive and a bit more kind of um of a flow going and realistically given how crowded the fixture schedule is with the compressed schedule they're going to need to rotate players up front so i don't know if we're ever gonna really find that like first two names on the team sheet up front it's going to be a factor of who's rested who's healthy maybe even you know some tactical considerations as well given on the given them whatever team they're playing from week to week if you want to drill down a little bit further on it but i mean if you look uh, you know, we know what Windass and Kachunga can offer. We've seen them in this, you know, we've seen Windass in a Wednesday shirt. We've seen Kachunga in this league forever. I wonder if, uh, I just, <laughs> if you compare the, I, I don't want to get into the match reviews, we'll do them later. But if you compare sort of the Brentford and Birmingham games, I think this is true of, you know, the QPR game, the the Cardiff game, even the Watford game, really. We are, and this is a relief, much more comfortable holding and protecting a lead than we were last season. I'm not confident by any stretch of the imagination because, yeah, <laughs> those wounds run deep, but it's going to take some time until I'm like, confident of them seeing out 1-0 wins like they did against Birmingham. But I do, you know, they really couldn't figure out a way to chase the game at Brentford and like create... I, I, I think they were pushing forward. They just were, you know, Brentford, even from the start, pretty much shut down Reach and Harris on the wings and bossed the midfield from this. And they, this, there was no way to really get service and create clear cut chances like they did against, you know, Birmingham in the first half, especially. Yeah. And I think, look, we're going to be later, but I, I do think we've got those players in our squad now. Izzy Brown and, uh, Luongo are both missing today. So I think I think we've got players that can unlock uh, defences. Um, my The only thing I, I say was missing from our transfer window was maybe uh, maybe a left-back, left-wing-back type cover um, and maybe a, a right-back, right-wing-back cover. But it looks like we're going to roll the dice with uh, Harrison Reach now as, uh, in the, those well, positions. I mean, you'd assume once... It, it doesn't sound like the... Lee's and Iorfa injuries are particularly serious. So once they're fit, you know, you know, Palmer and Odebajo move into more, you know, squad player roles or um fullback, wing back roles. So I think there is actual depth on the back line. It's just when you have four injuries in a fortnight, it's you know, you're gonna need to find covering players. I, I have been impressed with Flint so far. Again, he's just not the type of, I mean, I guess Van Aken's as big, but Flint, like his positioning seems like a lot better. Like, I don't know if he's like pacier per se, but he generally puts himself in situations where he doesn't have to run. <laughs> so I mean, he's just very sort of, you know, championship now and whatnot. And it's like the Teddy Sheringham of defenders, right? So he hasn't got any pace. So I don't think Flint right. would be, to be but, at the right But, time. you know, ideally if you have, you know, Iorfan is right, who can kind of certainly a lot more mobile. And, you know, Van Aken's reasonably mobile as well. Burner, who seems to be completely out of favor at this point, but has played in that sort of uh, left side of a center back three before, is a little bit more mobile. It's, you know, you can cover for, I think, that shortcoming in the players we have and the players they put around him. 
Yeah, and let's let's move on to the injuries as we just touted it there. <laughs> so uh, injury crisis, I would say it's definitely a crisis. Um, we Shay's Shay Dunkley has been out recovering from his two broken legs over the last uh, uh, six months, so it, he's still not ready. I think he's behind schedule. Um, we have uh, Izzy Brown out still. He was he was mooted to come back today, but that's clearly not happened. Um, we had no Luongo today. Uh, again, I haven't seen the excuse what happened there. Tom Lees is out. Dominic Ayoff is out. Um, was Kachunga uh, on the bench today? He was. Uh, Palmer's back now, but was didn't start. He was on the bench as well. All right, so that's... It's an interesting one why we chose. We'll put that in the in the lineup later on. I assume they so, just yeah. weren't. I assume they just didn't think he could play ninety. So, so we've got two out of three starting defenders out. Uh, our defensive midfielder out. Our attacking midfielder out. It's a, it's a half the team essentially that's, that's missing today's game. Um, hopefully they're not long because all those players, I would say, maybe with the exception of Lee's, but Lee's had a good good start to season two. I offer Brown and Luongo are three of our best players. As simple as that. Um, so I think, you know, I think you'd have assumed that, you know, Iorfa, Lees and Palmer would have started the season in the back five and all three of them have missed time. So, yeah, uh, the good thing about, like say, we'll talk about Flint later on, but he does seem to fit in very, very well, um, and seem to have, Get that leadership we need out there too, right? He's, he's, he's had experience leading the team before, so I'm really happy with Flint. I think uh, 31, um, not a spring chicken by any means of it, but experience is what we need, right? We've got a lot of um, people back there that's uh, that's been around the championship now. So I don't really think we've. Uh, I think I, if we all play with like the same a, like it's a it's a little bit more of a balance. Like obviously early in the transfer window with with players like. Uh, Deli Bashiru and you know Izzy Brown's younger certainly and really hasn't put down roots or established himself uh, anywhere as Chelsea Loney's tend to uh, <laughs> that tends to happen with them. But to, you know to bring in sort of a, a little bit more uh, players that know the league and been around. And again, it's the goal for this season is survival, and you want players that know how to get a point here, three points there and see games out and can sort of, you know, manage the championship schedule. And now there's depth there as well. Again, are, are these signings per se, I wouldn't call them like aspirational, but I don't know how like, this is an aspirational season. Uh, it's a realistic <laughs> Yeah, it's a realistic transfer window rather aspirational. You know, something that maybe Wednesday should have considered before now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you think you about it. If they had help. brought in a player like Flint two or three years ago, at that point, like you look at the things that they were, they were probably you know missing from those squads. It was that kind of like proven championship height, center back strength. height, strength. Yeah. Um, we we no. tried to right we did we, we tried to get him when he was um, uh, I think he went for ten million in the end um, so we just couldn't compete with that kind of money so yeah. <laughs> that's where we are right now we get the guys we tried to get three two or three years ago for free so uh, like I say it's um, worked out okay I think uh, he's a great signing for this season yeah and um, what happens to Lee's though going forward will be interesting I mean I I suppose you could probably play Lee's on the 
left. Of the, I know it's not ideal for him to play anywhere other than the center of the center back three, but I, he's been he's been good enough this season where I think you have to at least put him back in the squad. Squad definitely. Yeah. Um, do you think he's going to be better than Yost? I think we'll. I, I mean, it's a, it's a very to... different kind of player. I mean, uh, Yost also completely lost Tony for the second for for the almost third goal for Brentford, but. And how much Tony, of that was his fault either, yeah. Tony could beat Premier League defenders on that show in today. It was, <laughs> it was crazy good. Yeah, so I don't... Uh, I don't know how the back three is going to work out long term. I mean, you would think Iorfa in the right of the center back three is one of the first names on the team sheet once he's healthy. You know, past that, you know, you can have, like, discussions about who you want to play there, I would I would just suggest, and again, I don't want to get into the match review, that you don't have Odebajo mark one of the best strikers in the championship. <laughs> Shall we move on to the matches? Seems we were kind of covering some bits of it already. And um, yeah, I think... There was one other point I wanted to make with the transfer window. Now I'm trying to remember what it was. Um, but I feel like I've forgotten it, so we can just move on to the match review, and we will start with Birmingham City. And as I said, I do actually have 90 and 90. Wednesday one, Birmingham City nil. You know the story by now. Makeshift back line. Hello, Mr. Flint. Pressing a team trying to play out from the back poorly. A decent first half of football, but limited end product. I suppose it beats some recent Wednesday match tropes. They could have ended up a man going into the break as the often ponderous refereeing let a borderline last man foul go. Although Winda still had time to stand up and feed Reach, who fired over. A softer penalty followed in the second half as Windass was tripped, tripped going away from goal towards the edge of the area, and with three strikers on the pitch, naturally Barry Bannon stepped off to take the pen. <laughs> Fair play, keeper guessed right, but Baza beat him for pace into the bottom corner, and Wednesday were up 1-0 with a bit over a half hour to play. You know what that means. That's right, it's time to park the bus. Wednesday did defend quite well, to be fair, although it was a bit of a frantic last few minutes. Not that you'd know it! since Radio Sheffield spent the waning minutes of stoppage time updating you on the Barnsley-Bristol City game. What was happening there, you might wonder? Something incredible, exciting, a, a, a three-goal comeback, uh, somebody double broke their leg, uh, a fight, two players from the same team punched each other. Well, Barnsley got a late penalty, which they finally took roughly five minutes after the end of the Wednesday game. Surely they cut back to the Wednesday game to let you know it was over, Jeffrey. Listener, they did not. <laughs> oh, what a shit show. It was amazing. That way, I was very upset. So I wanted to use the, I had a whole like running gag I was going to do for the open. But when I went back to try and get the commentary, they they have to, I assume they have to scrub it from the full game recap because they probably don't have the rights to rebroadcast it. Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, why yeah. would you also save that shit? Um, it was, <laughs> horrendous i thought that I, I thought i was in some kind of weird dream i, I mean we, we're cutting to the end of the game here but just so first of all what's happened here is that wednesday have cut the costs for themselves and not hiring uh their own um commentator for away games uh who just you know is rob o'neill and john and john pearson um so they're using the 
Radio Sheffield Service, which is paid for by the taxpayers of England, um, and uh, the people in England that I can't go to games are paying for it twice now because they're paying for it in their tax and an eye follow. Uh, and we're still not getting the fucking commentary. The amount of times they cut to fucking Rotherham Barnsley, it was just. I mean, this is it's, it's long time, long time American Wednesday heads will know that. You know, back in the day when it was just the audio broadcast, the away games were always Radio Sheffield and you'd get all the amount of times they like would have to cut back from whatever was going on at Doncaster to announce that Wednesday had conceded or occasionally <laughs> Wednesday had scored. Uh, I mean, it's like uh, every other week, more or less. At least we have pictures this time. That's, that's it's true. One yeah. benefit. Uh, but yeah, they didn't actually. I mean, the amazing to me, so like, like they, whatever you want to break in to say they got a late penalty. Fine. But there was like an injury on the field, and they clearly were not taking that penalty for several minutes. Just go back to the Wednesday game. It was but no. bizarre. Bizarre. What a bizarre thing. Anyway, the game itself. Um, I want to talk about Adam Reach. Um, okay. I think uh, Reach had his best game for us. Um, he was a constant kind of... We've talked about Reach when he was in his prime as a, as a metronome, right? And he drives the pace of well, the like game. We signed him four years ago as a left back, and then four years later we realized his best position is left back. <laughs> <laughs> left wing back, right. And he's doing that thing against... That thing against where he just constantly hassling people, whether it's on the left or cutting in. Uh, he's put some, he's got some good um, crosses in. He has some good shots as well. So yeah, he started the game with a 20-yard scorcher, which Etheridge... Uh, picked out the top corner. Uh, I thought Etheridge was, Etheridge was excellent, actually. And another mm. Cardiff player that they've let go. What are they doing? <laughs> Who's in the Cardiff side? It must be amazing now. <laughs> they didn't so look Etheridge great against going. us, so... <laughs> I know, but I was saying to my, my Cardiff friend, I was like, who you got left? You've given them all away to the championship rivals. But yeah, Etheridge had a great game. Um, that was a great save from Reach. Uh, but he just looked fantastic the entire game. Um, it was his first, kind of, I thought, 90 minutes where he, he, he kind of was brilliant from start to finish. I mean, I've had a, a goal. I had a contentious relationship with Adam Reach over the history of this podcast, but I I do think he has clear strengths, and in that sort of you know either left wing or left wing back role, it plays to them. It's when they try to play him as like a number ten or like a freelancing midfielder or further up front, like he doesn't. He knows what to do when he's just on the wing like that. Yeah, he, he has like a he has a lane a that he stays in basically. Yeah. Yeah, he can and obviously he can shoot anywhere. from outside the area. He's got a good he's got a good cross. He's pacey. He's he's not a great like the traditional defender, but he defends from the front pretty well. Like he'll put a you know he'll put a guy off. It's on a counter or something like that. But and he's not gonna like just sort of like get lost. He's not gonna wander about and like be anonymous because he has things he has to do in that role. It's a very prescribed role. Yeah, and I feel like we always say he has a good shot, but he hasn't had a good shot for about a year now. <laughs> it's um, true. But uh, th- this game, he had some good shots, apart from the one where Windass went clean through. You mentioned the 1990. Uh, got up and uh, reached blew it over the, over, the, over the bar. But I think other than that, he was fantastic the entire game. I want to ask you a question, because I, I was speaking, I was listening to the um, different grade podcast um, the other day, and they had a, a kind of a bit of a disagreement about where Luongo was playing on against Birmingham. Cause yeah. When the lineup first came out, people were mooting that it was going to be the centre half, um, but I don't think that happened. I think, I, it, was, I I think it, was, it was in his regular centre defensive midfield position. He just dropped deeper as need be. Yeah, I, most of the time, I thought he was in that defensive midfield position. Maybe a little bit further back than he usually yeah. is. So I do want to talk about Luongo because the one thing that stuck out to me 
um, after they shut up shop was that he was the only player that was like really trying to like put a tackle in and harass a Brum player and try to put them off from just constantly recycling possession in the Wednesday half. Like he'll actually put in a tackle, drive forward. It really is kind of like watching the version of Hutch where Hutch is both healthy and completely under control at all times. Like, yeah, he's going to pick up yellow cars because of the way he plays. Yeah, but it's not, there's nothing reckless about it. He makes like inch perfect tackles when he comes in. At Luongo, I think, was probably uh, up there as well for Man of the Match yeah. on uh, Saturday, too. And I didn't even mention the, the Van Aken block of the what really should have been the equalizer. I thought he played well as well. But So let's talk about, about Yost and the transformation from mm-hmm. uh, the, the beginning of the season friendly where he was one of the worst <laughs> players I've seen in a Sheffield Wednesday shirt for a long time to what is now, we talked about earlier on, him possibly coming in the side over Tom Lee's, if not left-hand side, if Aidan Flint keeps his place. That that block um, right at the end basically slid in front of a certain goal. I think, was it Lico? I can't remember. I think it was. That had a kind of... Sh- the kind of uh, shot uh, about eight yards out, and that was that was one all. And when we talk about right now, another Wednesday capitulation because we were under the cosh, we, we parked, the, well, parked the, the bus. The thing that drives me nuts when they defend like this is Birmingham were still making diagonal runs and getting behind them like, easily. If you're going to put 10 people behind the ball, that should not be happening. You don't so much park the bus than park the motorcycle, yeah. <laughs> But yeah, Leco, Leco especially, and who's the other striker they have? Uh, Big guy. guy. Yeah. They were just making these diagonal... Hogan? Hogan. Hodges? Begins with an H, I think. I could look this up. I'm not going to look this up. (laughs) They they were just making these little diagonal runs. Hogan. Hogan, yeah. Yeah. Um, And just splitting the center backs and just getting these little through balls or over the top or just these little balls sort of down the channel or towards the the edge of the 18 yard box and, and you know creating opportunity like yes we track back and generally outside of the the one last ditch defensive play that van Egan had to make defended well but like that's just you're asking for trouble and i, I really thought they could have if with birmingham pressing like that you gotta like try to do something on the counter right yeah we did kind of take our um I kind of foot off the pedal a little bit, didn't we? But I think I would say up to like 75 minutes, we were in control of that game. And then we started to backtrack. Um, so I guess I guess the argument is we can't fucking score two goals in a game. So why try for a second? <laughs> <laughs> it seems to be that that's the plan. At least, the time being, at least this time we rode our luck and we, we got through to the other end. And I think, uh, like I say, b- barring a miracle a block from Yosemite, and we'd have been talking about a capitulation here. Mm-hmm. Uh, so let's let's take the uh, the one 0 win against Birmingham and uh, move on to uh, Brentford. And I'll just say one more fuck you to Radio Sheffield. <laughs> Brentford two Wednesday one. So this will be more accurately titled fifty four and fifty four as I missed the first thirty six minutes as my beef stew prep took longer than I anticipated, and then I had to deal with a four month old's diaper blowout. That was less of a mess than Moses Odebajo trying to mark Tony, I'm reliably informed. <laughs> Another makeshift backline and a midfield badly missing Massimo Luongo and Brentfield, Brentford easily could have had three or four. 
Wednesday were better in the second half, both Reach and Harris were stifled, and Bannon and Hunt and Pelopesi offered little through the middle. I don't think they even fashioned a real chance in the 54 minutes I watched, although there were a lot of groan-inducing set pieces. I feel like you got the worst. I'm going to kind of make up for the first 36 minutes. I missed all the missed. goals. <laughs> yeah, because I think um, we were very good for those 36 mm. minutes. <laughs> so maybe it's your fault. Mm. Um, we, we um, well, I say good. We were, we, were, we were good going forward, right? Um, I think we matched them uh, pretty much like a, like a blow for blow. It was kind of a very exciting first uh, half an hour. Um, the Brentford's first goal frustrating Dawson uh, again he kind of pushes into the attacker's uh, uh, run as he usually does rather than pushing it behind um, Bannon was slow to react he probably should have got there before or at least marked Tony a little bit more uh, it, it seemed like uh, Ivan Tony took us by surprise uh, like no one seemed to really take it very seriously um, and he was basically bossing it all over the place they're, they're, they're front three even though they've lost two of their front three uh, they replaced him with some fantastic players. So um, they've got the Godos, I think his name is Godos and Tony replacing uh, uh, Ben Rama and uh, Ollie Watkins. And they, don't, they haven't missed a beat. They look <laughs> fantastic going forward. Um, I mean, you can do that, worse than just like buying the best League One striker every time it comes up. I mean, yeah. That's what, I mean, if that's what Ten Million buys you from League One, I mean, wow. Um, he was uh, a beast. He certainly looks championship ready, if not even Premier League ready at that rate. He was strong. He was fast. He was clinical. He was confident. Uh, he, he deserved all the praise which Sky Sports lauded over him every second <laughs> of that game, which was quite infuriating. Uh, but the first minutes with Brentford all over us. Um, they really stretched us. Uh, and we were kind of mainly reduced to Callum Patterson's long throws. Uh, and, but Brentford kind of matched everything that we had throw, throw at them. Uh, Reach, I thought, had a really good first half an hour um, and he, he really looked busy again like he did against Birmingham, coming into the game, uh, cutting in and trying to make the halves with Windass. Um, but I put on here like that Reach and Windass was linking well on the left and they were for the first half an hour. But if you look back at it now and that last 56 minutes, they barely had a touch. <laughs> I mean, they but just, the first half uh, hour they did. Brentford clearly wanted to shut down the wings at literally at the point when I started tuning in, I guess. And they did very, like Harris could not get, they just put two guys right on him and pinned him down. Anytime he tried to make a run or get the ball or cut inside. And he didn't really have an outlet to swing it back to either because, you know, Bannon and Hunt really aren't going to move that far outside. Bannon, if he does freelance, tends to freelance on the left wing rather than the right wing. And, he really didn't have an outlet to play it back to. No, he didn't. And I think the um, the Brentford left back had Harris's number for most of the game, yeah. um, except for the goal, uh, which was yeah. a fantastic ball uh, from Bannon over the top of him, really. Uh, and then Harris whips it in and uh, Patterson stoops low to head it in. It wasn't by, by any means an easy uh, header yeah. to finish. Uh, and we got to see uh, finally a, a Patterson uh, goal celebration. Um, which was, I think, it was a dolphin kind of uh, dance sure. thing. <laughs> sure, I'm gonna go with dolphin. Um, which was completely ruined six minutes later, not only by the fact that Brentford scored, but fucking Tony nicked his celebration as some kind of yeah. mimic thing, and and that was what's that all about? Is that some kind of like piss take? I don't like oh. that one bit. Yeah. But uh, I want to bring up 
something that really annoyed me about Tony's second goal is that that's the fact that Moses Odebayo appears to have been selected to mark the most informed striker in the championship for corners. And I've watched that goal that Tony scored now several times. And it's just, just barging Odebayo out of the way. And bah, bang. It's like Odebayo is just getting pummeled. And as he does that, he easily scores a goal because he's got like a foot height on him and about, I don't know, 20 pounds extra muscle. Um, so yeah, bizarre. And it happens again later in the second half where Odebayo's on the corner. Well, I was wondering that because I looked it up and Tony's listed at five foot ten. So how tall is Odebayo actually? <laughs> he's a little tiny, but I think he's about six foot wide though as well. Yeah. But he's, just, he's just stronger and faster than Odebayo. Yeah, he's, looking at Tony, he does not look like he's five foot. He looks like six two. Yeah, he looks tall. He looks, he's massive, but, looks, but I, I don't know. Odebayo must be tiny then. But yeah, I thought on the ground, Adebayo did all right because he had a bit of pace. Uh, he did okay in that like out of position, right centre half. Um, he was found out a few times for his out of position, but I think he, he could have done trap. He back wasn't as bad as well. I expected from the WhatsApp group before I turned in, basically. No, and people on Twitter are obviously giving him shit, and I've given him shit in the past too, but I don't think it's one of those games. I mean, you shouldn't have been put in a corner against Tony in the first half. That's not his fault. That's, I assume that's Monk or someone in the uh, coaching team. I do actually have a six foot six center back and a six foot seven center back, and we're putting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just put Flint on Tony. Yeah. It won't move. It won't yeah. just score that second goal then. Um, but yeah, bizarre decision to have Moses mark him. And it was all like man to man marking in that corner yeah. too. We just looked all over the place. Um, and then Brentford kind of just took control, and that's when you started joining in. I think Jeff. Yeah. So it, it was. Um, it wasn't just uh, Tony's kind of finishing we, those. Yeah, it seems like we were playing a very high line against a team that was just taking our lunch in midfield. <laughs> it was a high line, but also I think that didn't help the fact that Moses was out of position quite a lot for the first <laughs> sure. uh, twenty minutes. So um, until until the the hero of the hour, Joey Pessy, Joey Paul Pessy comes in in the second half, so I think he had a good game. I think uh, Joey shored us up. Unfortunately, if you take out um, Alex Hunt, um, which again, I don't know why you would start with him in the first place for this game. We had no healthy midfielders. I guess you could have started. I'd rather have Pelopessi in there for like a defensive. Yeah, I guess. Midfielder. I mean, if you, if you want to. So here's a question that I hadn't really thought about. This They play fairly similar roles, I think. Would you rather have Dele Bashiru or Alex Hunt in that role? Um, I think if before the start second half, I would have probably picked uh, Fizz over Hunt because we just didn't have much metal in that midfield right. and we were completely overrun in that first half. Um, and when you've got a makeshift defense, it just seemed, I, I really do blame Gary Monk a little bit for this um, defeat. Um I know, yes, he's got injuries, but he didn't really play uh, his position players in the positions that would benefit him the most. So it I wasn't guess... until the second half where he kind of changed it and realized that his midfield was getting completely run over. When you've got Bannon, Hunt, and Windass as your, as your three midfielders, they just that was obvious, really, against Brentford, who were one of the best attacking teams in the league. I think he should have probably gone with um, at least Joey Palapesi and maybe Fizz as well, just for some meat. Yeah, I do... I don't know what the Julian Brenner situation is, and I don't really want to speculate. There's a lot of shit out there. Uh, you have to start him in a center back three over Moza Tabajo. You just have to, otherwise, release him from his contract. Like I don't like. What's the point? I know I he. Think... I, I know he didn't look. He hasn't looked great when he's when he played early in the season. But like, 
you know what he's capable of. You watched him all of last year. And I know like sometimes it's just a, whether it can be on either side of the dressing room, but like a manager and a player don't, it just, they fall out of favor for whatever reason. You know, Wednesday still has Kieran Westwood on the books. So (laughs) this is the kind of thing that can happen, but it's just, it does. I think we talked about this during the Lukai era to a certain extent. You can be too stubborn for your own good. Because I think you put somebody with Burner's experience man-marking Tony, maybe you get a different result. Very much so, but especially at corners. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the concern you have, and I'm trying to second-guess Monk here for why I put Adebayo in there, is that you've got no pace then. Um, yeah. With Flint, Burner, and Van Aken back there, and the front three for Brentford to play turned pieces in a different way um, than we, what we got here. So... I don't know. I think we were, we were look. We lost two one to one of the best teams in the league when we hadn't got a, a, a first choice defense and three of our best four best players are what we were missing. So it's by no means. I thought we played okay in phases today. I think in the second half um, we nullified Brentford. Uh, we didn't create anything. Literally no shots. Um, but we, we sh- if we started like that and nullify them from the start, we we could have frustrated them. We didn't. We seem to have got the halves the wrong way around. We kind of like went all out there at the beginning, and uh, it kind of like bites us in the ass because Brentford are better at it than we are because they've got a better team. They spent millions of pounds. They've got a better research uh, department, uh, and they've been better than us for the last few years. So it seemed a very I don't know tactically. I think you got it wrong today. Hopefully we got it right in the first segment. And take a break now. We come back. We'll bring back the much requested, I don't know, somebody probably requested at some point, how I became a Wednesdayite. We now return to our favorite segment, How I Became a Wednesdayite. And we're joined by Sean Foreman from Pennsylvania. Sean, how did you become a Wednesdayite? Hi, well, thanks for having me. Um, so back in 2000, I was a grad student at Ohio State. Um, and as, as part of our program, we had a, had a summer abroad program at Lancaster University. And so I was there in the summer and my supervisor there uh, was a Wednesday fan. So I... Um, just talk with him a lot. And then he invited me to go, go to a game with him. So I went to a friendly against PSV Eindhoven. Um, so it was right after um, Wednesday got relegated, but had a great, got to go with him to Hillsborough and um, had a great time. Um, from there, I sort of took about 10, 15 years off really. And then it's a good decade um, to take off. <laughs> yes. <it was. laughs> I'm guessing as well in 2000. So when you went to uh, Lancaster, um, were you into soccer, like American soccer? Or did you watch much soccer? Or was it all like the supervisor getting you to a game at Hillsburg and kind of like ignited it? No, I mean, I, I grew up playing. Um, growing up in Pittsburgh, I, I, I played and played for high school and actually became a referee when I was uh, probably 13, 14 years old. Um, so I've always enjoyed it. I did get in the U.S. team um, and MLS a little bit when I was in Columbus. Um, actually, I was a beer man for the Columbus crew for a few games there. Um, Fantastic. So I've, I've always... It was fun. So I've, so I've always enjoyed it, but never really knew much about the Premier League or, or really anything outside of, of um, the World Cup and, and MLS before that. So 
So you're into soccer, you're a referee at 13, 14. How old were you when you were in last Lancaster, about what, early 20s? I was 25, 24, okay. 25. So yeah, so it's interesting. So the first live game you see, I assume, so you've been live games in America, but the first English live game you see is Wednesday versus PSV Eindhoven. I wonder if that's the biggest club the... they've had in Hillsborough, probably. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder if that's the, is that Joel Tibon thing, maybe? Was yeah. it something to do with him being a Wednesday? Yeah. Well, I need to look into that. I can't remember that game myself. I'm obviously so friendly. Do you remember how it finished? Uh, 2-2 two, two draw. Uh, oh, I remember that. Yeah. Yeah, not, I remember the big news was I think there was a Ruud van Nesteroy. Nesteroy, I think, was was just leaving. There was big talk. I think he just became, um, went to Man- Manchester United a couple of days after that game. Did you um, see him play? He did not. Uh, he, <laughs> he was, uh, that was the big news. Would he play or not? Right. Okay. That's great. And do you still keep in touch with your supervisor that got you in Sheffield Wednesday? No, I, I'd love to know if he... Yeah, I, I, I thought about him recently. If he could have taken me to... Lots of other places that were closer. Uh, <laughs> team. Would I, would I've been a fan of Leeds or Manchester City or, or someone else if he was a fan of, of them? But so, what was obviously Lancaster University? I assume it's like Manchester's nearby. I assume in that respects. I think Liverpool is closer. Liverpool. There's there's lot there's lots of places closer than than Sheffield. But that's that's who he was a fan of. Fantastic. So you go back from your Lancaster University. Um, uh, switch with your college um and so you didn't you couldn't immediately uh, watch them because it's in the 2000s where there's not actually on tv here in the u.s right. so what point did you decide to start watching again and get back into them i'm not sure it was somewhere somewhere 2013 2014 i sort of i guess started following chef wednesday on twitter um started following things online I, i'm not sure where just just kind of picked up the standings on maybe espn or somewhere just really started following um just following the table and seeing how how things went each game i'm not sure what what point it really picked up again but it just sort of um just happened that way so in the past so say if you really got, got into it in the last like seven years or so who's uh, your favorite player over the last uh like generation i was thinking about it I, not really a great um not really great um cast to pick from it's probably <laughs> Nugu, um yeah which, <laughs> i was thinking it's not that great i mean it's not like he was that good um but he, <laughs> he just he was he was always there at the end seemed to score a lot of big goals um i love that even new use best fans still think he's not that good <laughs> well, come on. so it's the it's the old like football ramble thing he's not a great scorer of goals but he's a scorer of great goals <laughs> not even that sometimes <laughs> Just good, t- well-timed goals. Well-timed say, goals, yes. I think I saw he has 50, 50 goals in his career or something. Which I think he scored 50 last... right before he left, yeah. 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 That's good, man. Um, so uh, what do you think about this season? How, how do you think, uh, what are your expectations for this season? Do you think we'll beat the uh, drop after the 12-point deduction? Are you happy with what you've seen so far? It, it's mixed. Um, I mean, obviously they have to, they have to get it to positive points here. Um, I, I think the standings is still seeing negative four. Um, that's, that's frustrating to see, but I mean, I, I, I was looking at it today. I think they, they're sort of be middle of the pack if they didn't have that 12 point deduction. I still think they can avoid relegation. I, I, I like some of the new players that brought in, uh, they need to get healthy missing a couple of big players right now. Um, but I, I think they can, they can fall. They can, I think bottom third would be, it's probably looking where they would be. I, I think they can avoid a relegation. 
That's good. Positive. Um, you, I see you're a, a Steelers fan, did you say as well? I am. So was there any kind of connection there? Was it just coincidence uh, that the Steel City Sheffield uh, kind of like uh, was the, the team that brought you in? Did you find out about this, the nickname of the Sheffield uh, Sheffield before or after? Was it that kind of help your decision as far as like who you should spot? It certainly didn't hurt. Yeah, yeah. Hurt. yeah I mean, that was, I, I like the connection. That's, that's um, yeah, Pittsburgh roots growing up, born and raised there. And it certainly helped. I know there was a, there's a guy in New York Owls that's a Pittsburgh Steelers fan, uh, the English guy. And I, I think that's the reason why he chose Pittsburgh because of the Steel City thing. So uh, it's probably a number of connections between uh, Sheffield and Pittsburgh. I think there's a lot of uh, a lot of similarities in that kind of uh, working class culture and uh, that kind of town and spirit of the Steelers yeah. too. Yeah, I mean, that's the expectation of Pittsburgh is the kind of the work hard mentality, uh, especially the Steelers. It's the, the good defense, hard nosed. So yeah. Um, I think there's certainly similarities between the town. I'm not sure, not sure necessarily about the teams recently, but um, conceding in the last two minutes of the fourth quarter. <laughs> <laughs> so you say you uh, worked at Columbus Crew for a while as a beer guy. Um, I was a beer guy for uh, the Columbus Blue Jackets, their first year, the hockey team there, uh, a couple of Columbus Clippers baseball games, and then, yeah, a couple of Columbus Crew games. Did you, do you uh, regard yourself as a fan of MLS and Columbus Crew, or is it kind of something you, you, you pass by? Or? I should be more. I feel like, cause I'm here. So I, so I'm in, I'm just outside Washington DC now. Um, so we have, um, DC United here. It's, I always feel like I should Ooh. watch it more and I don't. <laughs> That's a oh, club of John Harks. Come on, Patty. <laughs> well, Red Bulls, Red Bulls are rivals, the DC United. Yeah, so yeah. I have to boo every single mention of them. Oh, um, DC has been pretty lousy this year, but it's, it's kind of, there's a, there's, they have a, a farm too. I know, um, Someone's near Hartford, but there's Loudon United is now the the kind of the their, I don't know what they call it farm team, club team, whatever it might be, um, next division down. Um, so it's kind of nice to see some of the, some of the guys play last year, not not this year much, but 15, 16 year old guys that maybe they can make the, the U.S. national team or, or make DC United. So kind of neat to see that see them play now. That's great. Um, so we got in touch on Twitter because. Uh... I saw you blogging both about Sheffield Wednesday and Steelers. Uh, how can people find that? So I think it's Sean Ramblings is the blog, right? Yep, it's Sean's Ramblings. It's it's a blog spot uh, blog, which I'm still amazed that Google runs that anymore. Um, <laughs> I have a blog spot still open, I think, somewhere as well. I think I do, I got too. my 2005. <laughs> um, 2005 I might even be earlier album. than that. <laughs> I've done both blog spot and WordPress, my blog started, I think. Yes. Yeah, mine started 2005, so it's it's almost almost 16 years old now, which doesn't happen very much anymore. Yeah, but it's just I, something fun to do. I like typing on it. Just I, I write about Sheffield Wednesday once in a while, um, but also other things, right? Sports, Pittsburgh sports, just being a father, just other things going on in my life. Great, and it's uh, Sean Ramblings on Twitter too, right? So if you want to follow Sean uh, in uh, in uh, the DC area. Uh, Give him a shout on Twitter, follow his blog. Uh, Sean, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, really nice to meet you. Uh, nice meet you. And uh, continue supporting the Owls and spreading the word. Will do. Thanks for having me. Now it is time for dispatches from Bulgarian soccer. Patty, I don't know if you knew this, but uh, Preslav Borkov scored a late equalizer for Atar at the weekend and got his first Man of the Match award. 
I didn't know this, Jeff, because I saw it on Twitter because you retweeted it and then put it in the WhatsApp group that I'm in with you and then told me it's on the podcast this week. So yes. The only reason I know about it. it is because every time something like that happens, Lord Hillsborough tags me on it. So <laughs> apparently this um, is like this is just a thing that that uh it's my brand now, is the Press Off Borakov brand. I mean I hope that um one of your family or uh, maybe uh, your wife listens to this podcast and picks no, you out. Just, Bor- that does not <laughs> Picks you out to Borokov. Um, was it was it played for some Bulgarian Atar. team? What? Atar. What? Atar. Atar. Atar shirt uh, mm. with Borokov on the back for your Christmas present. Yeah. Um, one I did see when, from this Borokov tweet was that um, he still says he's a Sheffield Wednesday player on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> he's still hanging on to that yeah. tag. They can't be too proud to play for Atar. Mm. Any more dispatches you want to go through? Dispatches from Cypriot (laughs) Soccer, and it's not what you might expect. Uh, Sam Hutchinson, against Eddie Nuhia's Apoel, got sent off at the weekend for... I mean, Patty, you've seen the video. It may have come in a little high on the tackle. Did did win the ball, to be fair. He did win the ball. ball? He he went doing about three balls with that tackle. (laughs) I want to, I want to, uh, I'm going to try and put my microphone near the speakers because the <laughs> sound of the guy that got kicked by Sam Hutchinson is probably the best sound I've ever heard in my entire life. This is the sound of a Sam Hutchinson tackle. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> he makes a little bit of a meal of it. <laughs> a meal. He made a meal in the three courses. It was a bit hilarious. Um, but no, that, he went. He went hopping for about twenty yards after that tackle. <laughs> like he's been shot. Oh, I mean, I, I just didn't ra- raise too much of a fuss about it. Uh, <laughs> he just accepted. Walked off, yeah. I will say he looks like he's in pretty good shape. Uh, he always yeah. keeps good shape. Yeah, himself. sure. I mean, uh, he needs that to does that high is, kicks yeah. the nuts. <laughs> It looked like it was the inner thigh. I don't know if he got the full on, uh, uh, what is it? Cutlass into blooms. From possibly getting a football boot in the nuts to the Luton Town preview. <laughs> the equivalent, the fixture equivalent of a boot to the nuts. I'm very disappointed that James didn't log on to help us out with this because I feel like the Luton Town preview is right up his alley. <laughs> uh, speaking of alleys, that essentially is what Luton Town's football ground is. Um, so they have done an okay start to the season, right? Mm-hmm. So they're mid table. They've won three, lost three. Um, they haven't had the. Um, Toughest start, I'll give you that. They've won against Wickham, they've won against Barnsley, and they've won against Derby. All uh, pretty much. You gotta be. You gotta beat the bad teams, Patty. Yeah, and especially, especially, they, especially they've from their perspective. That. Yeah. So uh, they are other than us, bottom of the league. Those people, um, but they've lost to Watford and they've lost to Stoke and Millwall, I believe too. Um, so not a bad turnout. Uh, they're twelfth, bangs back in the middle. Um, they beat had some good scalps in the League Cup. They beat Norwich and they beat um, Reading, obviously top of the league. <laughs> oh, God. It sticks like, the throat. Yeah, it's just fucking hell, man. <laughs> uh, 
the um, championship you gotta please. love it because you'll never get out of it apparently <laughs> it is uh it's a tough i think it's a tough tie and then obviously us at home makes it tougher because we can't win at home <laughs> um so i i don't know what to expect i think if we get a couple of our players back from injury it's just, if they can move Palmer into the starting lineup, they can move Brown into the starting lineup. I don't know what the Luongo situation is, but yeah, I'd hope at least one defender gets back, at least <laughs> yeah. one midfielder gets back, yeah. and we can make a game of it. I think if you play as well as we did in spells today against Luton Town, they haven't got an Ivan Tony, they haven't got that kind of difference maker that we've played against recently. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm I'm positive we'll get something out of it. I'm going to go for a uh, 2-1 win Wednesday. Two goals. That's ambitious. <laughs> yeah, we're entering sort of a, 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 a nice little <laughs> soft part of the schedule here. Like, I don't... So if you look at it, they've taken eight points from six games, which, you know, roughly speaking is a... I can do math. 60-point pace, which should be enough to keep them up. But like it's a championship. I don't know how difficult their start has been, but it does seem like it's a little softer now. Patty specifically decided we weren't going to do a Luden and Rotherham preview because the Rotherham game's on Wednesday. We'll probably podcast before that. So instead of doing Luton and Rotherham this week, you get Rotherham and Wickham next week, which will be... We'll have Justin for that, so that'll be good. Maybe James too. It's more because the the fact of Luton Rotherham previews depressed me so much that I didn't want to do it. But now you've mentioned that. All right, let's bring Justin back for this. <laughs> he can do it. It looks like there's some kind of um must must be the clocks going back this weekend in, yeah, in England yeah, yeah. because it goes to three forty five kickoffs on Wednesday against yeah. Rotherham. Uh, that's away from home at the New York Stadium. Um, speaking of New York, let's go to. We, have we done all our, our agenda points? Yeah, it's fine. Go ahead. Do you have any other okay. business, Patty? <laughs> Thank you. Yes. Um, I, I'm going to do a New York meetup. Um, hopefully someone around that can join me in Bryant Park. Um, so if you are in New York this weekend, uh, get in touch. We'll uh, have our regular laptop on a table set up. Um, I also saw that yeah, last week Jamie uh, had his first meetup in, in McCool. So congrats to Jamie and... Uh, It'll turn out there too. So if you're in New Orleans, uh, hopefully they're back at uh, Finn McCall this weekend. One thing I forgot to uh, mention so far that kind of came to me as, a great, as, it, as my kind of brain got back into the kind of meet-up meet situation again as we get back to some semblance of normality, is I forgot to mention, I think, previously um, that due to COVID, our um, Portland bar has closed down. So uh, to- the Toffee Club in uh, Portland, which is where the Portland Owls used to go to, uh, they had to shut the doors, unfortunately, because uh, of the lockdown affected them so much. They didn't have enough finances to continue. So massive, massive um, uh, best wishes to uh, that team. I know they've got a brewery opening up soon too as well. So, uh, But I'm sure, stay tuned to Owls Americas if you're in Portland. Uh, if you've got ideas for a better bar or a replacement bar for, for a Toffee Club, give us a shout. And uh, Mike, our regular one here, uh, We'll certainly be looking on the lookout too for that. This has been episode 110 of the Owls Americast. We're still currently looking for season sponsors. I'm guessing after this week, it won't be iFollow again. <laughs> Get in touch at owlsamericas.com or owlsamericas at gmail.com. You can find and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at owlsamericas. 
Our podcast intro and bumpers by fellow Wednesdays reverend of the makers. Podcast is on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, Google Podcasts, Podbean, probably anywhere else you choose to download podcasts. There's no wrong way to listen to the show. Just do what feels right. Wherever you choose to consume the Owls of Americas, we ask you rate and review the show. It helps more Wednesdays find our ramblings. Patty is on Twitter at New York Owls and at Patty A. Jones. Patty, how many calories have you consumed today? <laughs> well, the fact that I've had two, well, uh, two large measures of whiskey uh, during this podcast uh, tells you that I've barely eaten anything. Well, I've eaten, but I've not eaten much calories. So I am good. I'm still under 1,500 calories for the day. Mm. How many sprouts? No sprouts today. No sprouts today? Right. No, I want to have uh, something very interesting. I had some uh, turkey meatballs. Turkey meatballs. I feel like as an almost, Italian, almost like a director front to me, but... Almost two stone down in nine weeks. That's good. That's me slapping my belly. Mm. I'm on Twitter at Jeff Paternostro, and we'll see you back here for an extremely exciting Rotherham and Wickham previews next week. Ο Χάτσινσον κόκκινη κάρτα. Απευθεία κόκκινη κάρτα. Φεύγει ο Χάτσινσον από το παιχνίδι. Φεύγει αδιαμαρτύρητα.